This is the Cato Daily Podcast for Thursday, August 16th, 2018. I'm Caleb Brown. The removal of conspiracy monger Alex Jones from platforms like Facebook, YouTube, and Apple Podcasts doesn't implicate the First Amendment, but there are some reasons for concern. John Samples is a vice president at the Cato Institute. We spoke yesterday. Alex Jones, the internet provocateur, producer of documentaries with uh, limited citations, and somebody who is perhaps best known for saying that the Sandy Hook massacre was faked, has been removed from various platforms, large-scale platforms, that, from which I assume he derived a lot of uh, income and a lot of uh, his notoriety and his ability to, to really easily communicate with his audience. So what, is, what are the speech implications, if any, of these several privately owned platforms uh, from removing all of his content based upon uh, what they consider to be violations of terms of service. So there's uh, first question is, did they actually get him? Did they actually remove him from these platforms since they acted together, except for Twitter, which said he hadn't violated their rules? There's some question about you know a kind of Streisand effect that his app, which was not banned, was uh, downloaded more. So it's not clear yet whether they're actually going to have be an effective removal. The question here is why? Why did they do this? Why is it justified? That's the big interesting question. Uh, there's short-term questions of yelling about Alex Jones. When you say why is it justified, under what grounds? Yes. Like like that yes. that's justified under the First Amendment, which seems clearly not to be implicated here, yes. uh, or justified under terms of service, which is maybe maybe a little less clear. So the first step here really is for us libertarians, and generally speaking, I think too, because of the separation between private and public, between the a Facebook platform and the general public platform, which is governed by the First Amendment, is you know the reason for doing this, what justified it was business logic. These companies were afraid that having the Alex Jones and people like him on their platforms made people, the term is always used by them is unsafe, insecure. Made, in other words, it made for a bad experience for the users, getting the users, keeping their attention and then uh, relating that to advertising is their model, right? So in if you say, well, this is their pro private property, they can do what they want with it, and uh, what they should want to do is maximize value to shareholders, and that's what they're doing here, okay? So I think for most libertarians, and uh, indeed that's rooted in American law in the sense that the First Amendment doesn't apply everywhere. It applies to public spaces. Um, I think that's a good enough answer. It's complicated by a couple of different things, though, I would say. Uh, one is that the, what I, you'd think of as the culture of free speech. Glenn Reynolds and other people referred to free speech values being violated here. And I think that's what they're talking about, which is that at least among um, you know elites and maybe also more generally, there is a sense that we have something called a culture of free speech. Free speech values should be respected and that this makes this more complicated. Now, that culture is also related to a second thing, which I call in my uh, uh, blog post, the liberalism of fear. 
And what that means is both blue team and red team, left and right, however you want to talk about it, both of them are afraid that they are ultimately going to be wiped off the new internet forums. And both sides have uh, targets that they would like to see removed mm -hmm. and would like to animate uh, some group of dedicated people to continue to aim some pressure at these platforms to get those people removed. And that's for that's for all, pretty much all sides have targets like that. It's uh, There's a question about who's better organized and who's not. But you've got the classic problem of highly organized interest uh, who want who have strong reasons to want to bring about something from these new what are what are really new governments right of these platforms you're they're governing the platforms and so you're going to have interest groups involved and the one thing you might end up with is just sort of reproducing uh, what goes on in Washington D.C. and Menlo Park or whatever you want however you want to think about it so the problem the platforms. Uh, face really is on the one hand the business logic of trying to keep users and all that. So that's that's always going to be there and that's good. And it's a good thing that's there. Uh, but they've got to come up with some way to have what I think about as legitimate. How, why can they legitimately remove people? Why? And that means how can you get people to accept this, generally speaking, right? And that's complicated by the fear issue and it's complicated even by the culture of free speech because you'll be removing people, even Alex Jones, who frankly as far as I know, doesn't incite to violence directly. And so he or there is a question about whether the libel issues, which David French has raised. And I think, right. that I think those issues are real issues. But you have to remember libel law and public figures for good reasons uh, uh, means that you can still pretty much say anything as long as you're careful about, uh, say, looking up something on the internet, right? In other words, you'd have to prove malice with uh, Alex Jones, which might be doable, might not. I don't know. But th that, I think, is probably not enough for the, uh, what the, the platforms want to do. So how, do you, how does this become legitimate? And how does it become legitimate, th this governance, at a time when everyone's at each other's throats and you got the free speech issue too? I mean, one issue would be just consent, right? So I go to Facebook, I get on there, as I did this morning, and I consent to give them my data and I consent to their ground rules, right, to the community standards. And so if they throw me off, they're only throwing me off because I have violated their rules. That's the, But most people don't really think about that much. And this is the problem of tacit consent, right, uh, that you go back to John Locke. It's, it's plagued liberal political theory for a long time. Because most people don't consent to the Constitution or, or to even the laws. But that might be workable. Uh, there's a couple of other kinds of things that would happen, which is charisma. You could say, I've talked to people about this and they say, you know, Steve Jobs could have pulled that off. He had big charisma and what he wanted to do and if he ruled the platform, people would say it's okay probably because of that. I'm not sure any of the tech leaders have that kind of charisma now, particularly in this context of uh, extreme political conflict. And then tradition, traditional authority, the rules have been around forever, therefore we follow them. That's pretty typical in human history. It's, it's not going to work here because Facebook is the oldest uh, governing form in the internet of the social media. And that goes back maybe 10 years, right? So it's not really much of a tradition. What, so what they're trying to do is get through this uh, and justify their authority, their legitimacy to rule the platforms 
by setting up a process. And the process is you've got your constitution, which is your community standards, and then the, the uh, constitution is applied, these rules are applied in a fairly neutral way, uh, a fairly direct and uh, fair way, I guess you would say. And that's what's going to make it justified. So it's not going to be biased toward one political uh, part or another. You're going to get it for violating the rules. So Twitter, on the other hand, says Jones didn't violate our rules. Therefore, we haven't gotten rid of him. The, the community standards issue here is the hate speech issue, right? That it's just vague and doesn't have any particular uh graspable meaning. It has all the problems that the hate speech problem has in real world, which is, uh, you know, the Nadine Strawson's book talks about this and she urges Mark Zuckerberg to not to adopt the same position she takes about hate speech and the constitution primarily because of the ambiguity. But hate speech is in the community standards and I think that's one of the reasons they got Alex Jones. I think the issue, uh, it does seem like that's going to be a persistent part of the community standards. It's going to have the same problem that you've just talked about. And, you know, that's one of the things about all of this is in real world, in the world of the Constitution and politics, the strong First Amendment has a great thing for government and for elected officials, which is they don't have to draw many lines, right? You know, child porn is... It's not protected by the First Amendment. That's clear. Then there's these libels. Obscenity, which has had these uh, issues of line drawing in the past, was given up on, right? So elected officials can't do that, but if they tried to, it would be a mess. Now, all these uh, platforms are going to have to draw those lines, at least until the, uh, such time as they give up on it, right? Or they design a, a way for the community to effectively police itself. Correct. It could, uh, and they've, you know, some of that has been done uh, already. The flagging system is a way into their, uh, uh, and, they, and they depend on, to some degree, on flagging of objectionable content. And then they have an, a, basically a, a review process and ultimately an appeals process. So they're developing this. I think with the hate speech, at least in the middle term, you go back to the fear issue, right? So Alex Jones is one thing and people, conservatives, I think, are sort of um, going to be worried about him, not because of him, but because of what it implies, right? So does it, if it's Alex Jones only, you know, people aren't going to be that worried, I think. And they're going to have, to balance against that, they're going to have the right of private property owners to police their platforms. On the other hand, what if uh, Facebook and others decide that Charles Murray, if you read the language of the community standards, it's a, a tax on and it, limit, it, it uh, really lists a number of protected uh, characteristics, one of which is race. So what if Charles Murray's The Bell Curve is understood or interpreted by Facebook to be a direct attack on African Americans, for example, and therefore he gets any reference to that book? or maybe any reference to Charles Murray, gets removed from the platform. I mean, I think for some people, you know, it's the Middlebury question, right? Is Facebook going to become like Middlebury or is it going to become like a uh, some other aspect of society, like the general, uh, like Washington, D.C., the general public where all sorts of voices are heard? And the worry is that it will become like Middlebury and the community standards will do that. So I think 
the hate speech thing seems clear for them, but they're going to have this is going to come up again and again because they it's inherent to the problem, and that's why we don't do it in real world. John Samples is publisher and vice president at the Cato Institute. Subscribe to and rate the Cato Daily Podcast at iTunes and Google Play, and follow us on Twitter at Cato Podcast.